Hello and welcome to another episode of Brewery Towns, the podcast that talks about brewing beer throughout the country. My name is Matt and I am joined again by Cecilia. Hello. Today we are going to explore the brewing history of New Haven, Connecticut. The sources that we use for this episode are the Daily Nutmeg, the Hartford Current, the New Haven Independent, the New Haven Register, and the New York Times. Okay, so New Haven, Connecticut is located in New Haven County. It is the county seat. It is in southern Connecticut. It is about one hour to Hartford and about an hour and a half to New York City. It is along the New Haven Harbor, which is part of the Long Island Sound. So the north part of Long Island Sound is New Haven and the south part of Long Island Sound is obviously Long Island. And that feeds into the Atlantic Ocean. So this was a big port city and and still is a little bit. Current population, a little bit bigger city that we've done here, 130,000 with a metro population of 850,000. That's a pretty good size, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, once you get up to New England, the towns are just so close together. Yeah, they all blend in. They all all blend in. Like, like there's New Haven, there's like East Haven, there's Fair Haven. We're going to try to just focus on New Haven, because if if you go even outside the boundaries of the city, you're going to be talking about like dozens of breweries. Its nickname is Elm City, and that is because leafy canopies from elm trees line the streets. If you look this up on Google Maps, you know, when you look up a city, there's a photo that goes with it. This photo looks a little bit like Pawnee. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. It looks re- re- very beautiful there. So there are a lot of famous people from New Haven. And speaking of movies, I picked an actor for this one. Paul Giamatti. Do you know who he oh, is? Oh, really? He's like he's one of my really, favorite actors. He's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't get a lot of credit. Like, he does not. I know. He's good. I've seen his stuff and I'm like, anytime... When I see his face, I'm like, it's probably going to be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just going to put that yeah. out there. He doesn't I mean, do crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do not waste Paul Giamatti's time. Right. Did you watch the John Adams HBO series when when he played John Adams in it? I No, I haven't, but I've heard mm. really good things about mm. it. And so it is on that bucket list, and I should probably watch it soon, actually. It's, it, it is really. It, it sounds a little boring, even for people who are interested in history, but it, it was really it's, good. He's on it, so I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be good. Exactly. So. So New Haven was part of the Quinnipiac tribal area. A party from the Massachusetts Bay Colony arrived there in 1638. Mm, Very early. And it competed with other centers along the Atlantic coast until a merchant ship from New Haven disappeared in the Atlantic that was carrying a lot of goods. So they lost a lot of money because that ship went down. Oh, okay. Which is crazy because almost... Everything on one ship. Yeah, yeah. It's all gone. And those ships, they were just wood, and they were crossing the Atlantic. Like, it took weeks. But I guess that was life. Yeah, that was life. Let's see. It became the co-capital of Connecticut in 1701, and it remained the co-capital until 1873. Okay. All right. And then after that, do you know what the capital of Connecticut is? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) It is... you know you know did you ever watch uh when who wants to be a millionaire was in the prime and they could call customer or whatever it is call a person uh-huh. and you could hear the person like on the computer like typing in the answer really quick <laughs> that's gonna be me I'll yeah like yeah right so it was like that until 1873 when hartford became the capital Wait, what's the capital hartford oh okay, hartford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. when hartford became the one and only capital of connecticut mm-hmm. 
New Haven is home to Yale, also home to University of New Haven, and just north in Hamden is where Quinnipiac University is, so a lot of newspapers, a lot of universities. Very yeah. well educated up there. Oh yeah, they are. Are you ready to get into some beer? Let's get into it. Okay, so the first person to brew, or that had a license to brew in the city was Stephen Goodyear, and that was in 1646. Wow. Super That's early. It's just impressive that we even have records of something that happened back then. Seriously, I lose papers all the time. I'm like, how do you keep that? I know. We don't know really much else about it. We do know that a brew house came in 1798 that was run by William and Benjamin Blakewell. It was located on Brewery Street, which is the modern name, probably named after this brewery. They produced New Haven Ale, and they had to close in 1803 because of a fire. The turn of the 19th century, it sparked a, re- a brewery revolution in New Haven. It was hailed as the Milwaukee of the East Coast, and it ha- housed dozens of breweries before the 20th century. Wow. I know. Really That's random, great. right? First one we're going to talk about was founded in 1852. It was called Fresenius and Sons Brewing Company. Philip Fresenius, he was a very passionate man. He hand-delivered kegs by strapping them to his back. And literally carrying them from the brewery to the customer, the consumer. Dedicated, man. Yeah. Have you ever tried to lift a full keg? Yeah, it's heavy. It, it's, and I'm sure it was heavier back then. Right. Because everything's like total glass and like yeah. made out of like good quality stuff. And yeah. That must have been strong. I remember we had a keg delivered to our our apartment in college. And the guy who delivered it, like, put it on the front porch. And I was like, oh, I got it from here. He's like, no, you don't. I was like, sure, I do. And I tried to pick it up. I was like, okay, you can just bring it in, please. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So Philip, very devoted, very passionate. The brewery was located in a neighborhood called The Hill. And the facility had a large statue of Gambrinus, who was a German folk cultural hero of beer. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's... That's a big title. Yeah, if if you Google him, a, a lot of really interesting stories. There are some people that they think Gambrinus is named after. There's really no truth to any of the tales. It's just mostly legend, but, hmm. you know, there's Germans. Unfortunately, Philip passed away. His sons did care for the brewery, but it closed when Prohibition came to New Haven in 1920. We are not going to talk about all these breweries because there were dozens. We're just going to pick a select few. Go from there. The second one was called Rock Brewery. It was founded in 1868. Owner was George Bosserman. He was born in Germany, came to New Haven in 1860 at the age of 28. New Haven was a center for German immigrants, and he realized that there was no German-styled beer being produced there. So he's like, I'm going to start a brewery, but he didn't know how to brew. He was not a brewer. So he sent his son to Germany to learn the craft. And when the son came back, that's when they started the brewery. Wow. I know. Talk about long-term plan. Like, I, I know. I can you... send you across the ocean, you learn, and then you come back. In the 1860s. Well, yeah. I guess they had money, I suppose. Some type of wealth. Well, if he didn't have wealth before, they really made out well with this brewery. It was located on the outskirts of the city, which seems like a random place to be. but. Around that time, there was a new 
horse-drawn trolley system that was connecting the crowded inner city to these grassy pastures that were in the countryside. Okay. So now the city folk were, were coming to the park that was near the brewery for country excursions where they could have beer, they could have music, and they could have fresh country air. Wow, doesn't sound too far from us. Like, we go venture. <laughs> that's, that's all we need, really. Yeah, that's all we need right now. Everyone's <laughs> traveling to. So he was making German sallow beer, so that pretty much means lager. Lager was, really wasn't made until refrigeration systems were a little bit better in the United States. So usually breweries that made lagers were near some type of cave system because they could store the beer in the caves because lager needed to be stored cold. George, he said, screw it, and he excavated a 200-foot deep cellar to store his lager. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's really crazy. I know. I know. These these people are dedicated. They are dedicated. I know. These stories from just individual breweries, not just there, but in other... In other towns, they're just like dedicated individuals who just want to say, hey, I want to drink a good beer. And, then... and the lengths <laughs> they go to, I know. It's crazy. Okay. And and now we have people choosing to drink, you know, Miller Lite and PBR here <laughs> when they can just walk down the street and get a good beer. And these guys were going, you know, to the moon and back just to make right. that for you. Don't even get, get me started. <laughs> So the city bought the land around the brewery in the 1880s, and they officially made it a city park. It was called East Rock Park. Um, So the brewery even skyrocketed more. And they closed again in 1920 when Prohibition came to Connecticut. I'm just going to name a couple other breweries here. We we don't have many stories from them, uh, but I just kind of like their names. So first one is Charles Nicholas Brewery also known as the Weibel Brewing Company. It was around from 1859 to 1936, so it did survive Prohibition and a few years after. Next one, New Haven Brewing Company from 1862 to 1895. Next one, Schleipman and Spittler Brewing. It was founded in 1882. They changed their name to Quinnipiac Brewing and then to Yale Brewing. Uh, They had a huge facility. They had their own trains. And this is the only brewery before Prohibition that is supposedly still standing in the city. Wow. Okay. And this is just a fun fact for you. Do you you have any guess what Quinnipiac means? <sighs> Matt, you're just making me sound stupid and all your <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll tell sure. It means people of long water land. I know. Okay. So I think there maybe they were talking about, you know, Long Island. Long Island. And yeah. the Quinnipiac people were on both sides of the sound. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Maybe. Yeah. Now, since we looked up Quinnipiac, do you know who Yale College is named after? Hmm. Hold on. I'll just tell you. Yeah, just tell me. <laughs> it is named after Allahu Yale. And one of his many occupations was a slave trader. So I was thinking to myself, in this culture that we're in now, at what right. point do, do people petition for Yale to change, to change their name? name. But yeah. what, they, what would they change? Like, Yale and know. Harvard are, like, the schools of... Of, like, just old prestige or yeah. whatever. I, I don't know what they would change it to. Yeah. And I wonder how many I, people know that. Probably not at all. Not, you know? not a lot, so... Yeah. Let's get back to beer. Okay. Next brewery was Wideman Brewing Company, founded 1884... It was also known as Lion Brewing Company, and it did survive with that name until 1943. 
So we did have at least a couple breweries that survived Prohibition and brewed into the late 30s and early 40s. Prohibition, it came in 1920, so it didn't come earlier than the nationwide mandate, like a lot of the other states that we talk about. Okay, let's go post-Prohibition. We're going to talk about Hall & Sons Brewing Company, also known as just Hall's. It was founded in 1872. Its owner was Colonel William Hall. It survived Prohibition by making ice and soft drinks. Not, Not ice drinks, like ice slash soft drinks. Okay, I see, I see. I don't think there's such a thing as an ice drink. A slushie. They, they were not making slushies. Right. <laughs> they make slushies? Mm. Could you imagine? I wonder when slushies were invented. Another fact to, to uh, throw at Cecilia. <laughs> <laughs> so it, after Prohibition, they became the Hull Brewing Company, and their new location was the old Frisinius and Sons Brewing Company, but they owned uh, a couple other locations, but that was their main campus. And during this time, they grew so much that they became the state's largest brewery. They hold that title. They're not around anymore, but no brewery today is larger than that brewery was, if that makes sense. Oh, I see. Okay. So they were producing Bach beer and cream ale, and they use waters from the Lost River that flowed under the complex. So under this old brewery, there was a river, an underground river, and they just tapped into that for their water supply. So you really had, you had endless amounts of water, which you need for beer. For for beer, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were really positioned well. They employed mostly Irish and German immigrants. They had over 100 employees, which is really substantial. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're wondering what the biggest brewery in Connecticut makes, they make 150 barrels a year. And that equates to 12 pints for every person in Connecticut. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Wow. I know. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy little fact right there. Yeah. So they were they were going really well. They they were the only major brewery in the state in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, but they still couldn't outlast, you know, the big guys and they had to yeah. close in 1977. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. But compared to a lot of the other cities we talk about, I mean, having a brewery into the 1970s is pretty rare. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the people in New Haven were actually pretty lucky because that brewery closed in 1977 and they only had to wait 12 years until New Haven Brewing Company was founded in 1989. So if you think of the last episode that we did in in Yankton, they had to wait 90 years. I know. I was just thinking that I was like 90 years. I know. At least they, what, 12 years you said, right? 12 years, yeah. That's a piece of cake. Yeah. And so this New Haven Brewing Company was the first to brew in the state since Hull's closed in 1977. So not even in the city, in the, in the entire state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the owner, A. Blair Potts, which is a, a really cool name, he was allergic to hops. So oh. he, he owned this brewery, but he really couldn't even drink any of the beer. Aww. I know. I kind of feel for him. I know. And he, yeah. well, the brewery was located in Richter's Cafe, which is a beer bar. So he was running this beer bar. He must have just went off like smell and yeah, aroma. I would love to go back into this time to some of these old beer bars that were like the first craft beer bars like in the country. Mm-hmm. Like the old photos of it just make it seem like such a cool place. Right. Just experience it. Like if you had a time machine to go mm-hmm. back to them. I just want to go to these brewery towns or yeah. these brewery um, areas. Yeah. <laughs> 
it, re it looking at the pictures, it reminded me of Bell's Brewery, which we did in our Kalamazoo episode. And it's just like these guys in like short shorts and like curly hair, and they were just like doing their thing. And they they didn't know it was going to be the start of like this huge movement, but yeah. that's what ended up happening. There they are with their wigs. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I always I always make fun of my dad when I see his old photos, but I'm sure our children will make fun of us. Probably someday. They won't. We're too cool. I, I like I like to think that. <laughs> I need I need to make sure all these are deleted by the time my my children are old enough to type on a computer. So let's see, New Haven Brewing Company. They produced Elm City, Connecticut Ale, and their the brewing facility was also called Elm City Brewing, but the whole production was closed in 1997. You see that with a lot of these early breweries that were in the 1980s and 90s. They were just they're described as being before their time. Mm -hmm. So that's why when you see one that lasted, you, you know there's something special about it. Okay, so let's look at the timeline again. Hulls closed in 1977. New Haven came in 1989. They closed in 1997. And then New Haven had to wait 18 years for another brewery. Mm. So well, they, they got a little tease and then they yeah, just took they it away from them. Tease. So th I think you're going to like this. This is... This brewery is in a really cool building. Erector Brewing Collective was founded in 2015 and is located in the old Erector Set Factory, which is the original building of the Erector Set Toys. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't think... Have you ever played with Erector Toys? Yeah. I, I, only, know. I only know them from the Sandlot movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, w I would play with them. They look really cool. They do, but yeah, no, I know. I never really did. We were poor. No, <laughs> <laughs> so this whole erector, uh, this whole erector factory, is now a studio complex for artists and craftsmen. So the the brewery is just one tenant in this building. There's also a artisanal pizza place, which is where people can go and taste this beer. And the one I would suggest is called American Flyer Electric Thunderbolt IPA. Cool name, 3.90 on Untapped, so pretty good too. Next was East Rock Brewing Company in 2018. It is located just outside of East Rock Park, which is, if you remember, the park where the old Rock Brewery was. That was very successful. They have a logo of a billy goat, and this is twofold. East Rock was originally countryside, like we talked about, and it was called Goatville. Oh, look at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then in German, the billy goat represents a type of beer as well. Oh, that's okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Wrong with that. Owners were brothers Tim and Sean Wilson. One beer that I wanted to highlight is Frühling's Helles Lager Beer, 4.01 on Untapped. It was brewed in collaboration with Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers from Framingham, Massachusetts. You can find this in Texas. You can find it in Pennsylvania. They distribute all over. The name essentially means it's German for springtime beer. And the best part about this brewery is you can get this beer and you can pair it with a freshly baked Bavarian style pretzel. Mm, okay, that's good to know. Uh, a fresh pretzel is probably one of my favorite. Is it foods. really? Oh, yeah. Do you dip it like in cheese or whatever? Mustard. Or you just like it mustard? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't like cheese on the pretzel. Or if I'm on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, I like my pretzels covered in sugar. And more sugar from Annie Ann's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so specific. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have like one more 
story to talk about. And it's it's really cool. We're going to start by talking about Overshore's Brewery. It was founded in 2014 to the public in 2017. It's technically located in East Haven, so that's why we're not going to get too into it. Its owner, Christian Amport, let other brewers come in and use the facilities, though. So if you were, like, home brewing and you were thinking about making the jump, you could go in there and use the equipment instead of buying your own. Oh, that's really cool. That's really nice. Yeah, and kind of... So one person who used the facility was Chuck Del Vecchio. He was brewing under the title of Hall Brewing Company. So he was bringing back that iconic name. And he grew up in New Haven and he remembered hanging around his grandfather drinking Hall's beer. So he was like, let's try to start this again. He bought the recipe and he brewed it there. It has a mild hoppiness compared to other modern lagers. Um, that's why on Untap, the Hulls export lager, it only got a 3.33, but that's because it tastes like a little bit different than what people are used to from a lager. Now, another brewery that used Overshore Space is called Rhythm Brewing Company, and it was founded in 2018. Owner Elisa Bowens Mercado is known as Lady Lager. She went to a beer festival in Cape Cod, and she realized a couple things that there were very few lagers to choose from which was her favorite beer because she remembers her grandmother's drinking that type of beer, which is really cool because I feel like you never hear brewers talk about their grandmothers as inspiration. And she realized that there weren't a lot of women present with the breweries and there weren't a lot of people of color. So she's like, let's just tackle all three of these. So she started Rhythm Brewing Company. She made Rhythm Unfiltered Lager 3.49 and untapped. She's a woman, and she's a woman of color, so she marks all those boxes. Pretty badass woman. Yeah, and it's really a family affair. Her husband is the social media director, and her mother is the executive sales director. Wow. Which okay, is pretty, that's cool. pretty cool. That's yeah. really cool. And you can find their beer, beer in all types of stores in New Haven. But I wanted to do some research into Black-owned breweries, and there's this figure out there. In 2020, there were 8,000 breweries. And only 1% of them were Black-owned. Really? I know. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That's... It, it, I, would, I don't know. I would have thought it would have been higher for some weird reason. Like, it just would make sense. I don't know. Well, I think when people think of craft beer, they think of the guy with, you know, the backwards hat and the bushy beard. <laughs> and I think that's that's for the most part really true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. But now there there's groups around that are trying to make the craft beer world more inclusive. One's in Houston. It's called Hop Topic. Mm-hmm. You might see them collaborate with different breweries. Um, over the summer, I watched a show called Poured in PA. And the first episode was about this festival called Fresh Fest. And it's in Pittsburgh. And it's the nation's first Black-owned brewing festival. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, wow. it looked really cool. They, they partnered with a growing. lot of... It's, it's definitely growing now, right? Definitely so, growing. Yeah. Yes, and another thing that has helped it along the way that happened last year was the Black is Beautiful beers. I don't know mm. if you've had any, any of them. No, I have not. But it started around the, the time of the Black Lives Matter movement. The owner from Weathered Souls Brewing Company, which is in San Antonio, Texas, he oh. he is of the 1% of the Black-owned breweries. He made this recipe, and he wanted all the breweries that wanted to in the country to brew this beer with the same recipe but with their own take on it. So all, the, all those beers were called Black is Beautiful, and each one of the breweries could pick a foundation in the city that supports Black-owned businesses or minority neighborhoods. Wow. And that's all, really 
all the proceeds would go to that. Yeah, it it was a really cool. They had to find this beer, you know. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the breweries in Houston did one. Um, I don't I don't know if they're like continuing the series or if it was just kind of like a a one time thing. Um, But some of the places in Houston that got funds from this were Baker Ripley, which is in the East End, um, the Fifth Ward, and the Project Row Houses. Nice. So hopefully in 2021, we'll see that number rise. Grow, yeah. I hope so. In Albuquerque, there's this brewery that was founded by two Native American women, which I thought was pretty oh, cool. No, that is pretty cool. And and then the name is Bow and Arrow. Bow and Arrow. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that's about all we have on, on New Haven. All right. I think that was a really good episode. Yeah, another little fun town, a little bit bigger than we're used to doing, used, but... Yeah. It, it had way too much history to try to condense it, but I, I hope we did a good job. I think so. I think so. Um, I enjoyed it. Definitely learned a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to go there. I, apparently, I have family that live just north of New Haven, so maybe I'll... You can go visit them yeah. and stay with them for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The one plays the banjo, so... Oh, that's kind of cool. It could be fun. Yeah, I think so. Wait, you said he plays the banjo, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you can learn. You can be like the next episode playing the banjo. I I could do the the song that we do the little right. intro song. I could do that live. Why not? There goes Matt. Wow. I I'm intrigued now. Thank you. So next time I go to Boston, maybe I can also make a little road trip around the New England area. Yeah, yeah, lots of places to see, and we'll do. I think we're going to do a New York episode and a Massachusetts episode soon as well. Mm, so you right. might want to hit up those places as well. And it's good when you go to New England. The states are much smaller. I know. I so know. you can hit a lot more. I know, seriously. It's like getting out of Texas. It's... It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Well, thank you again for joining us, Cecilia. Uh, you can find all the information you need on Brewery Towns at brewerytowns.com. You can link up to our Facebook page. You can listen to all the episodes. And you can visit our Patreon account where you can become a monthly member. And if you become that, you get a free brewery print. And Cecilia, I think you received your first one the other day. I did. Are they cool? They are very cool. I really like it. I'm glad how they turned out, too. Yeah, it looks really nice. And that was another episode of Brewery Towns. 